Hi everyone, David here. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Foresight Climate and Energy. If you like what you hear and want access to more of our fascinating in-depth content on the energy transition, you need to subscribe. You can try us for 30 days for just €29, which will get you full access to our website and app. We also have a wide range of subscription packages to fit you or your company's needs. Follow the link in the show notes or go to www.foresightdk.com forward slash subscribe to find out more. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Energy Enablers, the podcast from Foresight Climate and Energy, talk to those working every day on the front line of the energy transition. My name is David Weston and my guest this week is Jenny Seagraves, a Senior Manager for Sustainability and Decarbonisation at Chemicals Giant Lindy. In this episode, Jenny discusses the role carbon capture, utilisation and storage technologies are playing in the energy transition and how big that role could become. We touch on various capture technologies being used across the energy sector today and how utilisation will become increasingly important as we continue to decarbonise. Enjoy the show. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us uh, today on uh, Energy Enablers. We're talking about uh, carbon capture, utilisation and storage technologies, something that uh, Lindy's doing a, a lot of really interesting work in. But there's some criticism about CCUS in some areas of the energy transition as perhaps not being an effective technology. Are CCUS technologies effective in trapping all of the carbon from generators and and emits forms of uh, carbon emissions? Uh, First of all, David, I want to thank you for inviting me uh, to be here today and uh, to talk about uh, carbon capture, use and storage. in terms of whether carbon capture technologies are effective at trapping all the carbon from uh, uh, from the emission source, the effectiveness of the technology really um, depends on where the emission is removed. And um, for the most part, it is very effective. The technology is uh, has been demonstrated. It's been in use uh, since the 1930s, um, and it's been a developing since. Um, as I said, the technology, the, the effectiveness of trapping the the volume of the carbon dioxide from the source really depends on the emission source and the particulars of the facilities. Most carbon dioxide capture technologies aim to stop at least 90% of the carbon dioxide from reaching the atmosphere. Um, It can do more, but how much it can remove um, on the capture side really depends on the concentration and as well as the cost because we have to balance those out. Um, So, you know, there are different types of technologies and depending on where you capture, it will, uh, it will impact the, the, the number and then also the cost. Hmm. Maybe could you perhaps briefly, uh, if, if, if possible, explain the various options for uh, carbon capture? Um, what technologies are there? What ones do Lindy use? Um, and sort of how do they work a little bit? Okay. So there are three types of carbon capture technologies. There's pre-combustion capture, post-combustion capture, and oxy-fuel combustion. So pre-combustion capture occurs um, after the fuel is transformed to a synthesis gas or syngas that contains hydrogen and carbon oxides. 
the CO2 in or the carbon dioxide in the syngas, it's relatively easy to remove because it is highly concentrated. And so the capture is typically done with a wash solution that has an affinity for absorbing the carbon dioxide or um, uh, another form of technology that's used for uh, carbon capture is using solid adsorbent that acts as a sieve at high pressure. So Lindy has decades of experience in capturing carbon from syngas streams. Now, another another type of uh, capture technology is this post-combustion capture, and that's trying to capture the carbon dioxide in the flue gas where it's dilute and it's at low pressure. And um, because it's at low pressure, the process requires compression to bring it up to pressure so it could be transported and eventually stored or used. Um, compression usually requires more energy and larger equipment. So for these reasons, post-combustion capture is more, more challenging and more costly. And so Lindy has um, partnered with uh, other companies to um, develop these technology and to progress it forward. And um, so the idea is to um, provide an integrated solution, you know, across all the mm-hmm. different concentration and all the different uh, pressures. And um, you know, internally, we've uh, we have developed an integrated technology called mm-hmm. high sorb adsorption technology, and that's uh, to address uh, some of these areas where we feel there might be gaps. Um, finally, the um, uh, I need to mention oxy fuel combustion, where the oxygen replaces the air in the combustion chamber and and an air separation unit is required to provide the oxygen for the combustion. And in oxyfuel combustion, the fuel is burned in this oxygen-rich environment. So the carbon dioxide stream that's formed um, can uh, is concentrated and can be tra- readily transported and sequestered with only very minor purification. So hmm. uh, Lindy is involved in all three of these uh, technology areas. Right. Um, and are they used quite widely? Do most sort of, um, in, I guess, power generators, but also, I guess, indus- industrial processes, do they apply CC uh, or carbon capture technologies to their processes at all? Is, there, um, is it widely used? It is It is widely used. Well, the most widely used, I would say, is the pre-combustion capture because yeah. it occurs at high pressure and it's really more economical because it's at high concentration. Right. Um, uh, but there are uh, – have been in the past um, – you know, projects where they've looked at post-combustion capture. And um, as I said, you know, Lindy was involved in uh, um, several uh, several dem- demonstration of the post-combustion capture uh, technologies. So, and then right. the last one, the oxyfuel, comb- that, that really hasn't been de- deployed that widely. But, you know, that right. is certainly an area that uh, we are uh, looking at, um, you know, more adv- advancing the technology. Hmm. So, so looking at it from an energy transition point of view, um, should there not be perhaps mandates uh, and various standards perhaps and regulations in place for emitters, whether it's industry or en- energy generation or anything like that, to in- to have some form of carbon capture in place? Um, so that, that's a very good question. Um, you know, there, there are, you know, currently um, – 
multiple ways to look at, um, you know, uh, from a policy standpoint to push uh, uh, or to incentivize uh, emitters to mm. um, deploy carbon ta- capture technologies or, or CCUS. Um, so, you know, one is the mandate, you know, of course, that you know, that works, but it's not market driven. And sometimes when um, things are, um, you know, the market driven, the the uh, companies or the market kind of help dictate and drive that forward. So uh, I think it needs, you need both, um, both some form of policy just to, you know, help guide. Um, you know, there's, there's certain regions of the world that where there's, um, you know, a, a cap and a trade system mm-hmm. um, that, you know, help, uh, help, to push that forward. And then there are places where there are, um, you know, where uh, governments have kind of taken more of a position of um, um, letting the market uh, try to formulate what is the best path. And, you know, uh, uh, there's also things like the voluntary market out there that uh, is help driving this as well. You know, companies or um, that are looking or, uh, at for um, emissions reduction, they can't do it themselves. So um, they're willing to, like, let's say, buy credits or whatever um, to, you know, help fund some of these projects to push it forward. Right. And is the uh, U.S. government and the federal government, but also sort of state governments, are they generally supportive of uh, CCUS technologies or are they focused mainly more on renewables and things like that? Uh, I think the federal and state government are generally supportive of U- uh, CCUS. Um, so favorable policies such as the Inflation Reduction Act or the IRA uh, combined with the uh, corporate Net zero goals have accelerated the number of projects that have moved forward. So previously, uh, before the IRA, there just wasn't um, enough incentives for uh, companies to move some of these projects forward. So uh, most of the, the the projects were mainly looking at the easier to decarbonize type um uh, facilities such as ethanol plants or natural gas processing plants. Um, now, with the increased uh, credits uh, from the IRA uh, from $50 to $85 per metric ton of CO2 for qualifying facilities, mm. um, other, other industrial sectors um, such as cement, steel, um, yeah, even you know some power generation um, are really considering you know moving mm-hmm. forward with plans to decarbonize, um, and the IRA also what it does with the um, with the recent IRA has relaxed the threshold so that smaller emitters can also qualify or, or get those credits to kind of move their projects forward. Hmm. So it's becoming a more of a business case now. Uh, yeah, and there's a there's an argument for CCUS on uh, on the spreadsheets that uh, CFOs are looking at. That's right. That's right. right. I mean, you know, it, you know, companies, you know, also have to, you know, um, you know, answer to their shareholders mm. or their investor. Mm. So mm. Um, while we we do want to get, you know, I think it's everyone's goal to, you know, decarbonize and mm. um, to go more to, toward a more sustainable future. Um, it also needs to balance out with um, the economics, you know, sure. for for the company as well as for the, for the community. 
And that is actually one area that the IRA uh, covers as well, is that uh, um, there are also incentives to deploy these types of technology in um, a certain community, energy communities or in uh, communities where there are, um, you know, uh, a higher percentage of unemployment. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. so we've talked a little about carbon capture there. Let's move on to the utilization and storage perhaps side of things. And what's the sort of balance between utilization and storage? How much are you typically, I don't know, uh, depending on, I guess, depend, depending on the technology and perhaps the economics, how much are we, are we storing this carbon and how much are we actually utilizing it for other, utilizing it for other, uh, other uses? So, um, you know, I think that that is a balance. I mean, there, um, Currently, there's a lot of focus in terms of using CCUS for the um, with the storage. Um, mm-hmm. However, um, um, there are also a lot of interests focused on um, the utilization part of it. Um, okay. But the you know the challenge is is finding uh, places where you can utilize uh, the carbon that is captured. Um, so currently, there are many. Um, Sectors where carbon dioxide play a positive role, um, or it's u- utilized. Uh, these include um, using it um, in uh, like uh, foam, uh, foam uh, types of plastic, certain types of plastic. Okay. So mm-hmm. insulation material like urethanes, um, curing cement, um, also CO two. Um, although it's not, you know. Uh, like a, a storage, but CO2 is also used in food and beverage as well as uh, sure. to promote um, plant growth in greenhouses. Mm. So it is a very, you know, useful molecule, but we're, but, um, but, you know, I think um, as we move forward, there's going to be more companies that are looking for creative ways to utilize the, the, the carbon that is, in, um, that is uh, re- either re- recycled or captured carbon in, um, in products. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, is the, perhaps is the utilization market um, under threat a little bit by decarbon- the decarbonization and um electrification perhaps as we electrify more uh, there'll be fewer uses for the carbon and obviously um, fewer sources of carbon um, from industry and generation as well so it, it is this does this market have a, a sort of a long shelf life do you think so in terms of the utilization market uh, right now we're looking at a very large amount of uh, carbon dioxide or carbon that is available. Mm. So I think that there is an abundance of availability of carbon, but there is a question about where to put it. Is it better stored? Uh, Which has its challenges uh, in that, you know, you have to find the, uh, the, the, the storage sites or the pore sure. spaces to store it. Um, it has to go through a rigorous um, assessment mm. as well as permitting. So there's that challenge, but then there, on the utilization side, um, so you have to find um, uh, uses for it that you know products that can be uh, can that can um, or processes that can that can convert yeah. uh, the carbon into useful product. And the, and by the way, those utilization pathway needs to have a low life cycle emissions because if if it takes a lot of energy to create those product it just you know it's not really doing any good so one of the one of the key things we look at is um, 
look at the LCA or the life cycle uh, an assessment or analysis of a product from right. um, from the source to the gate or the source to the final uh, deposition of that product. So mm. that will infor make informed decision of, okay, is this product with this particular pathway from you know, C, uh, CO2 or CO, whether that is makes sense. Hi, everyone. Me again. Please do rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. It really helps us out, means we can make more shows like this, and means more people can find us. Also, a quick reminder to subscribe to Foresight Climate and Energy so you don't miss out on any of our other podcasts or long-form journalism. Head to the link in the show notes or go to www.foresightdk.com forward slash subscribe. Do you therefore think as perhaps the if we, if we start losing natural gas or uh, industrial processes as they electrify or various other things. Um, do you see a shift in the CCUS sector, perhaps moving to direct air capture technologies and those sort of things as well? Yeah. So there are, um, you know, many ways to capture, you know, CO2 or carbon dioxide, as I mentioned. Mm. Uh, so industri uh, industrial processes such as natural gas processing is one of the uh, easy ones uh, because most gas processing facilities that they have to capture or remove the CO2 anyways uh, to make the product. Um, so as we kind of move forward, uh, CCUS will be used in many different sectors. Certainly direct air capture is one of them, capturing from the air. But, you know, keep in mind that capturing CO2 from the air um, is a bit more difficult and it will be costly because um, the CO2 concentration is in the air is in the parts per million levels versus like say a, a uh, some of these industrial processes where they're in the uh, percentage or high high tens of uh, uh, tens of percentage levels so um, you know another uh, sector that CCUS uh, are being deployed is say cement um, in steel making um, in Certainly, in um, you know some of these uh, um, processes for uh, uh, fuel conversion, uh, such as hydrogen, uh, which is something that Lindy is very much involved in, because when we convert any type of um, uh, carbon type fuel, uh, whether it be natural gas or something else, um, what we're doing is converting it to hydrogen um, and uh, removing the CO two. Uh, prior uh, to its use, so it's it's just a more effective way to de decarbonize. No, that sounds uh, really interesting. And so, CCUS and sort of the hydrogen economy are sort of interlinked. So, as green, uh, especially the hydrogen economy, but maybe alongside blue hydrogen, particularly, um, if, if that sector grows as perhaps some people suggest it might, um, there's a role then CCUS for CCUS in that. Uh, CCUS and hydrogen um, is very much interlinked. So in some uh, application, it's uh, particularly those that uh, where we're looking at, uh, let's say, a revamp. Uh, sometimes uh, for, uh, let me back up a little bit because I don't think the audience necessarily know what the revamp is. So I'll back up. So the CCUS, 
So CCUS and hydrogen is very much interlinked. In some applications or some sectors, it may more make more sense to repurpose uh, or add on to existing equipment uh, by adding a CCUS uh, or a series of CCUS processes to capture the CO2 uh, at the end hmm. of the, the process. Um, that's just more cost effective because, because it's qu- quicker to deploy and uh, it could be less capital intensive. Right. Um, however, in uh, some cases, and I'll use it as an example, like new builds, um, there's a chance, a more opportunity to put the uh, technology um, in a different order so that um, we could capture the CO2, let's say, after, say, fuel conversion. So we're, we can look at uh, maybe converting the carbon-type fuel uh, by converting it to hydrogen and then capturing the CO2 um, and then um, removing that. And then mm. so you end up with a hydrogen um, source, which, which could be used as a fuel or it could be used as a precursor uh, to make something else, and it, it would be decarbonized. So there are many pathways to um, uh, to go forward in this energy transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need both um, because uh, you know it, in many cases one makes more sense than the other. Jenny, thank you so much. That was a really interesting conversation. I was wondering if we could delve a little bit into your background, perhaps. How did you? Uh, get into CCUS and how did you get into Lindy? Okay, uh, so uh, my background is that um, I was a first generation college graduate who immigrated to the United States when I was eight. And um, kind of my background uh, going into uh, engineering and CCUS is that uh, mainly I was just gravitating toward the world of math and science. And it really happened by um, circumstance. I was uh, working in the area of uh, process development, product development, looking at uh, various processes and uh, solvents that can remove nitrogen oxide, carbon dioxide, and hydrogen sulfide. And by the way, hydrogen sulfide is the the impurity that smells like rotten eggs. Uh, So I was looking at removing, uh, working in areas of removing these gas uh, contaminants um, and that going into carbon capture, which just seems like it's a natural fit um, to look at preventing carbon from making its way into the atmosphere. So over the course of my career, I've um, worked in areas such as uh, oil and gas and chemical production. And um, because of that, I I touched on many different parts of the value chain. So I have a pretty comprehensive view of um, how the energy system fit together. So um, that's that's how I got involved. And so did you always uh, want to work in the sort of energy sector, the energy transition, or is that just uh, is that just something that's come along more recently? It, that came along more recently. I think it's just uh, I, uh, that I have the right skill sets to mm. uh, work in this area to, under, as I said, understand the whole energy mm. system, because what we're trying to do is to uh, deploy CCUS uh, for 
uh, large in, uh, industrial sectors. Um, and that's, that's the advantage of this uh, type of technology is that it could be deployed in very, very large scale to bring uh, the, to really to stabilize the uh, amount of uh, carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So the first step is to stabilize the atmosphere. And then the second is to bring the level down to net zero and then to the, uh, pre, uh, to the pre-industrial level. From your background, where did where did your sort of passion or interest in emissions and um, gases and things like that where did that necessarily come from? I think it's just a simply of curiosity about answering questions, you know, solving really difficult problem. And uh, maybe where I kind of got that from is that uh, so when I when I was very young, I uh, like to. Uh, dabbled in astronomy <laughs> and specifically I like right. to study black holes. So I read this book called, uh, uh, some a black hole and warp time space. And, 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 right. and it just raises all sorts of questions. And, uh, I, I think this is just a curiosity. It was like, okay, how can we do things better? Okay. We have this problem. Mm. We need to remove, um, uh, these impurities from gas streams. So how can we do that uh, with less energy, with less costs, um, more sustainably? Hmm. Um, so that 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 really is what's driving it is that as well as, sure. okay, how can we adapt technologies in a new way hmm. so that we could um, – make uh, make our lives better or our processes better um so let me give you an example so um you know for example the the area that i worked in um you know has to do with uh, chemical solvents so this uh, chemical solvents was actually developed um in the 1930s it was developed uh, to purify helium streams for airships right and um you know, someone along the line uh, in, in the past have uh, decided that, uh, um, hey, you know, this technology, it, it could be used for something else. So mm. around the 1950s, um, there was a problem to be solved because the, they invented, someone invented uh, submarines and they needed a system to purify the atmosphere in within the submarines sure. uh, for these long missions. And, uh, and, you, and, you know, people looked around for, you know, different uh, solutions and they came up with the, this, used the same technology to, uh, to, to purify those atmosphere. And they were very successful in deploy, deploying the technology in submarines. Mm -hmm. um, if uh, Incidentally, I know I kind of went off on a tangent, mm -hmm. but uh, um, that's the reason why I know that was I uh, went on a tour of the USS Nautilus in wow. uh, Connecticut. And, you know, I was working in this area of, mm -hmm. um, of uh, solvent, different solvents to remove CO2. And then I walked by the display and uh, there it was <laughs> in the summary. I go, yeah. how did it get there? So I think it's the, it's kind of the same thing right sure. now is that we have – so CCUS, a lot of the technology has – it's there. It's yeah. not it's not really new. Um, people are, mm. uh, are looking at um, way of repurposing uh, things that uh, – materials that we know to mm. use it for that purpose. 
And it's interesting that you know you said it was um, originally before it was in submarines, it was used for something else. And it's it's interesting how these solutions, these technical developments, could starts out as being mean meant for one thing, but then could be used somewhere entirely different. Yeah, absolutely. So who knows where CCUS technology could take us as well? Yeah, because uh, you know technology comes or you know, invention comes mm. from unexpected places mm-hmm. and who knows. Um, so right now, you know, the technology that's there, you know, it's it's being adapted, but there are also other technologies that are being developed. Mm. So what, you know, the, deploying CCUS allows, uh, in a way, gives us more time to start stabilizing the, uh, the atmosphere right. uh, while these newer ideas are being tested and developed and and scaled to a, you know to a larger size mm, absolutely what advice would you give to um any uh, new entrants to the sector graduates um, the next generation of uh, professionals coming through the N- in the ndg transition um and would you recommend ccus and uh, chemicals and, and uh, the gaseous um industry as a as an exciting one the advice I would give to the next generation of graduate is uh, be open-minded, and be creative. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, you, you are asked to do things or are presented with a task or challenges that uh, there's really no, there's no given paths to. Mm. And uh, I, I, what I like about this new generation of um engineers that are uh, coming up in the workforce is that they are very creative. They are also very passionate about mm-hmm. doing what they do. And uh, I, I think they uh, have the creativity and their minds are very malleable to think of new ways of solving problems. Yeah, it, it seems to be quite a creative sort of sector. I mean, you look at it and you think it's, you know, chemical engineering, it's science, and that's sort of one side of the brain and creativity is the other side. But actually, there's quite a good mix of the two. Um, yes, it is. Um, the uh, This this particular space will require um, people with different skill sets. Um, it's really all hands on deck. Um, the skill sets may be, um, you know, you may have a sustainability background or we need uh, people that are met, um, mechanically inclined to develop new materials that can uh, be used, uh, you know, and, and we need uh, somebody in law. We need policy. So um, there are many um, areas uh, that uh, that are in this particular space that we need help on. Absolutely. Uh, Jenny, thank you so much. Just finally, one question I ask all of uh, our guests, and I know it's quite a big question, quite a broad question, uh, but one I I think our listeners would be keen to hear your thoughts on. Do you think the energy transition will succeed? Yes, I think it will. I'm a very optimistic person. And uh, I, I think it will succeed. When I'm when I was growing up, uh, much of the world was uh, concerned with energy security and the availability of resources to drive future economic growth. Um, but 
you know, looking back, I think, you know, sometimes when you're standing still at one place, you think things are moving slowly, but they really, they really aren't. Um, they, I, I think when you look at collectively over years and decades, we really have made a, a tremendous amount of advancement in the way that we power our in- industry, heat or cool our home, light our ways, and even transportation. I mean, when I was very young, I mean, it was like kind of, you know, it, air travel was not for no. the common man, right? And now everybody gets on an airplane, go go places, Right, and they go uh, get Absolutely. there much faster. So I'm really optimistic that you know collectively, with you know as we put all all mm-hmm. of our brain powers mm-hmm. together, that we're we're going to do this, and we're going to lower emissions and make it a better environment for everyone. Absolutely, I agree wholeheartedly. Jenny, thank you so much for your time today, uh, and thank you for joining us on Energy Enablers. Okay, thank you. Thank. My thanks to Jenny for joining us on the Energy Enablers. I loved hearing her thoughts about where the captured carbon could be used elsewhere to actually support the energy transition. I'll be back soon with another fascinating enabler. In the meantime, check out Foresight's other podcasts. You'll find me with my co-host Jan Rosenau and Michaela Hall on What Matters, or join Sam Morgan over on The Policy Dispatch. Finally, be sure to check out the rest of our in-depth journalism over on www.foresightdk.com so you can stay informed on the dialogue around the energy transition. Thanks for listening.